Turn with me, please, in the Holy Word this evening, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, and I think we'll go from there to Galatians 6. Acts chapter 20, now we've, we've prayed, but let's all come into agreement now that we're together. Believe in him for exact utterance. Father, in the name of Jesus, all of us agree together as touching this, in this time and these places and these situations, and we're asking you for utterance, for the anointing. We're asking you for the quickening word, the life-giving, life-changing word. Asking for a manifestation of the uh, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, hallelujah, anointing, and holy healing, delivering power. Asking you to do what no man can do, what only you can do. Hallelujah. Asking you for answers. Show us things we haven't seen, nor understood, and remind us of things that You have shown us and how they fit and where they fit. And for the next steps and the next part in your wonderful, amazing plan. And we purpose not to be forgetful hearers nor hearers only, but to esteem and reverence and respect what you give us and to hold on to it and to do it. And we thank you in advance for performing that word that we do in your lives because you are ever faithful and you do watch over the word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody said amen means so be it. Say it out loud. Be it unto me. According to your word. O Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. I see uh, faces all over. Of minister friends. And people that have traveled. And come long distances. And made efforts. And also uh, uh, folks we saw. People standing up earlier that are join us on our services regular here, but they've uh, taken the time, made the effort, and here you are in the chair. All right. And uh, we do not take that lightly. It's, uh, it blesses us so much. And you make a big difference when you come and come physically in the building and you bring your faith. It adds. It adds. It, it changes things. And so... Uh, Thank you so much for being here. In uh, Acts, the 20th chapter, Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, he said, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now, grace is one of the biggest subjects in the Bible. It covers so much ground. Many have talked about grace being unmerited favor, and for sure it is, but it's much more. One of the big things that grace is that's real to me that I meditate on, the grace of God is the ability of God. Oh, anybody thankful for the ability of God? I'm pretty sure I would not have left the house to come see you tonight. If I wasn't convinced that the ability of God 
would enable me to do what I need to do in this service. Any preachers in agreement with me on that? Thank God for the grace, the ability of God in our life. And the Word of God is called the Word of His grace. And notice the very next phrase. You can see with it, the emphasis is on ability because the Word of His grace is what? Able to do what? Build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And that the implication of that is that you are walking in your inheritance. What is ours legally becomes ours experientially. Now, uh, Proverbs says in the Amplified, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? And again and again, when folks are not overcoming and they're not receiving, whether it's me, you, whoever, the problem is a weak spirit. And you need to be built up. Oh, somebody say built up. I am believing God for the services over tonight. A bunch of folks are going to be built up more than they were when they came in. Oh, it's just going to be that way. And air the next day and night and next night and next night and next night. You can be on a whole nother level of ability. I'm talking about God's ability in you, in me. With enough grace, you can overcome anything. I don't care if it's a sin, if it's a habit, if it's an addiction, if it's an area that you have fallen in 20,000 times. With some more grace, next time instead of falling, you'll resist it. All you need is some more grace, some more strength, some more ability. With enough grace. With just some more grace. If you've been failing to receive something. Endeavoring to receive it. Confessing. Praying. Whatever. But somehow coming short. With more grace. You'll get it. With more grace. You'll you'll just come over that hump. And you'll lay hold. And you'll not yield to that fear. And that wavering anymore. And that'll be it. And what can get you there? The word of his grace. Everybody looking. If somebody's down, they just, their life is a mess because they just keep yielding to sin. If somebody is hurting because they're not receiving what they need, they need to be built up. And what is able to build you up? The word of his grace. Come on, everybody say it out loud. The word of his grace is able to build us up and give us an inheritance. Hallelujah. Now let's keep reading. He said, verse 33, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Now, you might say, what's that got to do with anything? Oh, everything. Couple this with Philippians, where Paul says, by the Spirit of God, I've learned whatever state I'm in. I can be content. I can have peace. I know how to abound. I know how to, you know, seemingly be coming short at the time. Like, I know. What, what does that mean? 
He is so built up on the inside, none of these things move me. He's going to have what he needs. He's going to come through anything in his way. He's going to do what he needs to do. He's going to run his race. He's going to finish his course. And he did. And he did. And then when you know that, you don't covet other people's stuff. You don't need to. God will give you your own. And why do I want their old stuff? The new stuff is better. (laughs) Yea, you yourselves know. These hands have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. Now let's just stop right here. He's talking about having ability beyond the meeting of your needs. So that you can do things for other people that are not built up yet. That are coming short. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that out loud. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I absolutely despise man's religion. Do you? If you know what it does, you will. It takes phrases like this and reduces them to little sayings. <laughs> it's more blessed to give. Bless your heart. Isn't that sweet? So nice. No. There are realms of revelation in these phrases we have not touched. And they are so powerful, and they are so honorable, and they're so holy, and they're so big. He's talking about not just blessed, he's talking about more blessed. Somebody say more blessed. In fact, uh, there are other passages, New Testament passages, that deal with this. And it has to do with more and more and far more. And it reveals that there are degrees of blessing. Well, if you can be blessed and then you can be more blessed, there are degrees. And what we're talking about is increased ability. Anybody hear about that besides me? Increased ability. Ability. More means in a greater degree. Several times, like we said, it's translated much more. You could say much more blessed here. And blessed means supremely blessed or well off. It is much more blessed, supremely well off. <laughs> to do what? To have the ability to give. Now, if you're in need and you receive your need met, that's a blessing. Right? Anybody that says otherwise don't know what they're talking about. It's a blessing. But the Lord does not want us to stop at blessed. Oh, come on. That was worth you combing your hair. You're coming out for the... Huh? He wants us to go on to more 
blessed. Much more blessed. And what's the connection to that? Giving. Giving. You have to be more blessed. For all your needs and desires are met and fulfilled. And God is using you to help those who are weak and coming short. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody said, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Go with me to Galatians, the sixth chapter, please. Being blessed, the results of being blessed is not just having a nice house and a nice car and some good clothes and able to eat out when you want to. I mean, that's all nice. Having some nice things, having all your bills paid. There's blessed and then there's more blessed. <laughs> and it has to do with growing up and developing. God has a plan. And it is global and beyond. <laughs> and uh, he has things that he has already prophesied. That he has already said are coming to pass and will happen. But they don't just happen independently of his people. They happen through his body. Through his church. And we got much of the body of Christ. That thinks that serving God. Is pretty much going to church. When you can. The Lord actually asked me about this recently. You know the scripture we quote oftentimes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, the Lord brought that up to me. How are you serving the Lord? Because coming to church is not serving the Lord. <laughs> That's you coming For your benefit to get fed, to get answers, to get help. What is your service to the Lord? Every one of us have gifts, have graces that will enable us to make a contribution. In our local church family, with our brothers and sisters... In our community, there is some form of service, something we do, that every believer is supposed to be involved in. But a whole lot of folks are such babies, they don't even think that way. (laughs) It's getting quiet in here. (laughs) The truth is, there's a lot of folks, uh, Christians, confessing Christians, they don't like churches like ours. Because the Lord keeps reminding, need to grow up, need to reach out, need to think out beyond yourself and minister to other folks. You need to be thinking about the whole plan of God and the body of Christ and and the kingdom of God and need to be contributing something personally. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your talents, your grace. You're supposed to be in this thing with both feet. That's right. That's right. 
You believe it or not? Amen. And a whole lot of folks don't like that. They don't want to hear that. They've been a baby for 40 years. And they're comfortable. And they don't want anything else asked of them. They want, actually, they want nothing asked of them. <laughs> I'll come if I can, when I can, if I want to. I'll give if I can, when I can, if I want to, and I'm sorry, but I don't have time to volunteer. No. We're busy. Have you ever heard that word, busy? We're, we're busy. Boy, we're off to a roaring start here already. <laughs> busy, we're, we're busy. We live in a busy world. Man, the Lord's already helping us. I said he's helping us. Galatians 6, are you there? Galatians 6 and 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate, and that word means share, unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in what? Well doing. Well doing, or actually a lot of your other translations say doing good. In doing good. In what? Doing good. Doing something. <laughs> and doing something good. Don't grow weary in doing something good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, he's talking about sowing and reaping, which is seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest time. In due what? In due what? Season. Season. We shall reap. If He's talking about sowing to the Spirit. And doing good, which is also sowing. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity. Let us, here it is again, do good unto all. Now this is people outside the church. Outside the body of Christ. But especially to them who are of the household of faith. Do good with what? He's talking about being more blessed. That you have grace. You have ability. And you have resource. And you have opportunity. To do something good. For somebody. This is more blessed. And as you have opportunity, do good to all men. Let me read some other translations to you. Young's literal translation says, In the doing good, we may not be faint-hearted, for at the proper time we shall reap not desponding. Therefore then, as we have opportunity, May we work to the good of all and especially to those of the household of faith. Let me define for you opportunity. Opportunity. (laughs) 
Vines says opportunity, the word translated here, means a fixed and definite period. A time, a season. Somebody said out loud, a fixed and definite period. Webster says it like this, and I like this, it's really good. It says an opportunity is an amount of time or a situation in which something can be done. An opportunity is an amount of time and or a situation in which something can be done. The Lord gave me three phrases. I was going to work up to them, but I'm so excited about them that I'm going to give them to you now and uh, believe that you'll be even more excited as you find out what they mean. The Lord gave me three phrases. You might want to write them down. Windows of light. Doors of opportunity. And streams of provision. Hallelujah. Windows of light. Doors of opportunity. And streams of provision. I believe he wants to talk to us about this. This week. Say it again. Windows. Isn't that what windows do? They let the light in. And what else? Doors of opportunity. A door allows not a window, depending on how big you are, you might not be able to climb through the window. But the window can let the light in. But a door, you can get in there. A door, you can come into another realm, another room, another place. Access. Doors of opportunity. And then also what? Streams of provision. Hallelujah. A stream is not a bucket. A stream is something continuously flowing. Now somebody ought to get stirred up about that. Continuously. That just continuously flows. And he didn't say stream Oh, I'm about ready to run. Uh, I believe he's talking about, I know he's talking about new streams. Additional streams of provision to what you've already had. Hallelujah. I believe it's God. I know it's God's will. To give us more light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to show us the opportunities that he has prearranged and made ready for us. And open doors that no man can shut. And the streams of abundant provision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abundant resources. Enabling us to act on the light. And to take advantage of the opportunity. (laughs) Huh? 
Oh, you see why I couldn't wait on that? I just needed to tell you about that right then. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not, as we therefore have opportunity. Let us do good. Now go with me to Ephesians, please. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and the fourteenth verse. Ephesians 5, 14, he says, Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. (laughs) Awake thou that sleepest. You know, the proverb says, It's a shame to see a lad sleep away his... uh, his day of opportunity. We use the phrase, make hay while the sun shines. That's what it's talking about. And he, we, we won't go into it right now, maybe before the week's out we talk about it some more, but he talks about sleeping through harvest. Can you sleep through harvest? You can. And how? what's another way of saying that? You missed your opportunity to harvest. Because it is, what's an opportunity? A specific time. And the big thing about it, it's not an unlimited time. It is a window. We use that phrase too, don't we? Windows of opportunity. And what do we all understand that to mean? A specific Set time. It's not necessarily, you know, 3.06 p.m., but it is a window from about here to about here. And you could get in on it any part of the during this time, but there'll come a point where it's over. And you no longer have the opportunity. It was only for a season. And that window was only open for a while. Wherefore he said, awake thou that sleepest. So we don't want to sleep through God arranged opportunities. And arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Light. 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I understand it's a fool thing to sleep through a precious opportunity. 16, here's what you do. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now most of, how many, that's not the first time you heard that phrase, redeeming the time. Well, if you needed to come up here and explain to us what that means and how you do that, are you ready? Huh? How do you do that? What is that? And how do you do it? Because that's exactly what he's talking about. Is not missing, not sleeping through what God is doing. He's not talking about physical sleep. He's talking about spiritually being asleep. Can you be asleep spiritually? Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. In fact, the Lord said this to me many years ago. He said most of this world, talking about the people on it is either dead or asleep. Most of the people on the planet are either dead. What does that mean? Spiritually, 
they're dead. Their spirit's not alive to God. And a lot of the other folks, even though they've been born again, they're asleep. Well, you take somebody that's in a deep, deep sleep and lay them beside a dead guy, especially from a few feet away, you cannot tell the difference. Is that right? Because they're both doing the same thing, which is nothing. They're not moving. Is that right? They're not doing anything. So you'll get much the same results. Being sound asleep spiritually as dead people spiritually. Oh, but there's a few people. I said there's a few people on the planet. They are alive. And they are awake. They are awake. Awake means they are aware. They are aware of who they are. Who God is. What's going on in the earth. What my part is. What I'm doing now, what's coming next. Come on, are you with me? They are aware of these opportunities. Hallelujah. They're seeing the light that God has given. They are recognizing the opportunities and they are laying hold of the resources to go head on and do what we're supposed to do before we get out of here. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Redeeming the time. The word time here. Same word is translated in other places opportunity. You could say it like this. Redeeming the opportunity. Because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He said it again in Colossians. Turn over there. Colossians 4. He said this again. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Doing what? Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Now the opposite of redeeming the time is losing the time. Losing the time. I mean, folks do not realize, and all of us have said dumb stuff, but people do not realize what a, an unthankful, unenlightened thing it is to talk about killing time, wasting time, because it is precious, far more precious than money and things. If something is very limited in amount, it's very valuable. If something is irreplaceable, it's priceless. You can't put a price on it. And your time in this life is irreplaceable. Contrary to what some people think, you're not coming back as an animal or a flower or whatever. This is not your third or fourth or tenth trip. One time. You come through here one time. And one time only. But here's an amazing thing. Time that other people are losing, wise people and graced people can redeem their time. And God can even multiply days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Multiply. He can add two. How many know there are scriptures in the Bible that talks about adding to your years and multiplying your days? This is being rich. 
in God. I said, this is being rich. A lot of times people are focused on the money and the stuff. But did you notice that was the last of the three that he mentioned to us? Because you don't need money and stuff unless you know what to do. And unless you then have the opportunity to do it. Come on, are you with me? Then if you have the resources to act on it. Oh. Ha kelexechia. Hambre gresare kisti. Eswenga esna shai net. The time is short. And guasravidi enexadi. And the end of all things is at hand. And it draws nigh. Kres no vangai eswala jiyisti. Don't let your eyes be blinded by the glitter of this world. Because the enemy would blind you and dull you and hold you in a stupor of waiting and waiting and procrastinating and putting this off and putting that off until, lo, you realize one day, I'm leaving here today and my time here is gone and you would have been foolish. But there is still time. And your great father will help you to redeem your time. And even restore unto you that which has been lost. And add unto you more days. Hey, hallelujah. Somebody say, so be it. So be it. So be it. I receive it. I believe it. And I receive it. In Jesus' name. Come on, close your eyes. Say, even so, Lord. Be it unto me according to that word. Teach us these things. Show us how to do these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Behave yourselves wisely in your relations with those of the outside world, making the very most of the time and seizing, buying up the opportunity. The complete Jewish says, making full use of every opportunity. The easy to read says, use your time in the best way you can. Now, I don't see that as trying to do the best you can. The wisdom of God shows you the best way you can use your time. Hallelujah. We translation says it like this. In wisdom, be ordering your behavior. Towards those on the outside. Buying up for yourselves. The same term is used in redeeming the time. As in purchasing the freedom of a slave. They were not free. To do as they wished. But when they're redeemed. Now they are free. To do as they wish. 
And the enemy would do his best to rob your and my time and get us in so many non-God-directed entanglements and involvements that we are just wasting whole days and weeks and months out of our life only to wake up and realize it later. But by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit of God, we are not ignorant. Come on, somebody say, I'm not ignorant of his devices. Glory to God. I'm glad you're in this meeting this week. I'm glad I'm in this meeting this week. Buying up for yourselves the strategic opportune time. Now go with me to the book of Psalms, please. Psalms. Hallelujah. And I'm going to do something that you may not enjoy all that much. But I believe we need it. And you'll be okay. (laughs) Go to Psalm 39. I believe that's where it is. This has been going off in me so many different directions. I've hardly known what to do with myself. As we're leaving the house, I I said something to Phyllis, and and then I said it a different way, and she said, where are you at? You didn't, I don't think you said what you meant to say. Y'all believe it with me, right? I'm telling you, this this is, this is multi-dimensional, and we know very little about such things, but God would show us. He would actually let us taste of the powers of the world to come. I've had a little bitty taste. I'd like a whole lot more. Would anybody like to have some more tastes of the powers of the world to come? Well, that has to do with multidimensionality. There are other dimensions beside this one we live in, in particular, spirit. Hallelujah. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. Is that something you want to know? (laughs) I'm going to go over here and ask these folks. Is that something you want to know? A lot of folks think, no. If a lot of people would be honest, they would go, Let's not talk about that. Why do we have to talk about that? Because the Bible tells us to talk about it and think about it. It's something we need to know. This helps you from being lulled into sleep. We need some jarring here and there to bring us back to reality, to what's really happening, to what's really going on. And this is one of the things that will help us. How many believe in the scriptures? Not just your favorite ones you got highlighted and underlined. All, do you believe all the scriptures are good? you believe all the scriptures are good? Then I want every voice to pray this prayer. Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Now this is not just, this is not talking about being physically sick and weak. This is talking about how tender and tenuous this whole physical situation is. Verse 5, 
Behold, you have made my days as an handbreadth. Handbreadth is this long. Right here. And mine age is as nothing before thee. One thing the Lord has, we prayed a prayer as, as a church a few years ago. Lord, show us what's you and what's not you. And he's been answering that prayer for us. And one of the things he keeps dealing with me, he says, he deals with me, look at the stars. Look at the stars. Look at my creation. Look at space. Because I'm asking him, what you, he said, that's me. <laughs> and what you begin to do, and we have very little idea of what's out there. But with our newest telescopes and Hubble and different ones, we're seeing and aware of things we never were before. And one of the biggest things that is dawning on everybody that's in those fields is the almost too big to understand scope of it. How big this thing is. We really have no idea. And when you're talking about, they got some new pictures and and look at here, this is such and such solar system, and, and here's these stars. And, and, and the folks say, well, no, that's how it appeared 800 million years ago. Because it took that long for the light to get from there to us traveling at the speed of light, 800 million years. And that's just what we can see in and other parts of space that people thought, well, maybe there's not much out there. And you get a new telescope and you go, oh. <laughs> the size of it and the scope of it and the one who made it is bigger. Come on, the one who made it is far greater and far bigger. And you begin to get a little bit of perspective. What would a hundred your lifespan be when you're talking about hundreds of billions of years in creation. A whole lot happened before we got here. Most of it we don't need to know yet. But the exciting thing is that God has made you and me who are in this little frail body right now made us a permanent part of his future. We don't need to focus too much on that. I think one of the reasons why the Lord hadn't told us a whole lot about heaven is because it'd make you want to leave here right now. I'm serious. I'm serious. You you don't need to know too much about it right now. Because you got a job to do. And I've got a job to do. We are to in. This is not nice down here. Even if you got pretty good living conditions. This place is dark. We don't know it because we hadn't been outside of it. But this is a dark, dark, oppressive place. It's full of the curse. And rebel spirits. And the spirit of disobedience is over the whole planet. You get out of here. And get free from this, you never want to come back. Never, never want to come back. But the Lord's going to fix it all. I said he's going to fix it all. There's going to be new heavens and new earth wherein is no curse, no curse. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You and I are going to be right in the middle of it. But we need to understand and set our affection not on things on the earth, but on things above. People have said, well, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. That's an incorrect phrase. You can be too stupid minded (laughs) to be in the earthly good. But if you're genuinely heavenly minded, that's exactly what you need to be because conscious of him and that realm and those things that are above enables us to be aware of the light coming to us and the opportunities heaven has prepared for us and the provision heaven is streaming to us. We very much need to be heavenly minded. Our minds own those things which are above. He said, mine age is nothing before you. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Surely every man walks in a vain show. Surely they're disquieted in vain. He heaps up riches and knows not who shall gather them. Another translation talks about men are walking as shadows. As shadows. They are busy. They are burdened, disquieted, in vain means for nothing. They are building their company, building their accounts, and don't realize they will soon be gone and don't have a clue who is going to even wind up with what they're doing. Which is why the Lord said to us, understand your time span. Understand your window of opportunity in this earth. And stay aware of it. Hallelujah. 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 I did a little math for you because I knew you'd want... Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Teach me to number my days. When the Lord tells you to do something, He actually expects you to do it. What's the number of your days? There is a number. There'll come a time when you will live your last day on earth. The Lord tarries is coming. And if He just tarries that long then you'll live out your days and leave. And it'll be a certain number. It'll be day number such and such and such. And you will have lived that many days. The average lifespan in the U.S., according to the uh, statistics, is about 78. 78 years old. That's the average. Most of the population, if you averaged it all together, comes out to about that. Women are living a few years longer than men. Four or five years longer. And uh, (laughs) it's quiet. (laughs) But that's an average. I believe faith life average should be much higher than that. What do you think? We know the approximate maximum that you could or should endeavor to believe for down here is 120. Genesis talks about that. The days of man should be 120 years. But you need to also know that that's not just independent of itself. If you want God's perfect will, 
You have to do God's perfect will. Which is something a lot of folks don't want to get into. They don't want to talk about that part. But, you know, God is not obligated to sustain us to 120 years so we can watch extra TV. (laughs) And we're going to need some sustaining to make it through stuff that's killing millions of other people at 50, 60, and 70, right? I mean, if you're going to make it past that, the entire 91st Psalm is about this. People have focused on it that it's a protection psalm, and it is, but you've got to look at the end of the psalm. Why? What's the end of the psalm say? It's Psalm 91. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. How did it happen? Because the arrow by day didn't get you. The pestilence by night, come on, can you see this? Didn't get you. The Lord sustained you, kept you, is that right? Through, gave his angels charge concerning you through all of that so that you made it through 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Come on, are you with me? And with long life. Elsewise, you wouldn't have made it. How many are absolutely sure you would not still be around if the Lord had not sustained you? How many can raise a hand? Come on, acknowledge the Lord. Man, I, just just what the things I know of. I would have been killed in 15 different car wrecks and 30 different motorcycle wrecks and 25 different stupid things. And That's probably a wrong number, a low number. But, but anyway, God has spared me. I'm so thankful because elsewise I wouldn't have the fruit of ministry. My life would not have mattered and meant what it could, which is what the enemy is out to do, is to take you out before you're able to take advantage of the God-given opportunities and the God-given light and the God-provided resources to accomplish his will in the earth before you leave. Make up your mind that you're not leaving until you and God get good and ready for you to go. Come on, somebody needs to say it. Somebody needs to say, I'm not leaving with one of the devil's stinking diseases or one of his set-up accidents or any other thing. I'm leaving when God and I are good and ready to go. Good and ready for me to go. Not before. Don't have to. Don't have to. And you need to add this in too. And as long as I'm here, my quality of life will be very high. God sustained with long life. He'll satisfy me. Talking about satisfying life. And show me. One translation says, show me how he can save. <laughs> you show me. He's already been showing us how he can keep us. How he can save us. How many have been healed more than three times? There's people all over this place. 
would have died three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, fifty years ago with a disease or a sickness or whatever. And here you are, nodding your head, going, Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, the one who's got us this far, the one who has brought us this far, if he could get us through that, why can't he get us through the next part? He can. So if we take, you know, 80 to 110, if we bump it way up from the national average, and we just put an average of about 90, that is 33,000 days. Teach us to number our days. How many days is that? 33, about 33,000 days. Sounds like a long time. But you got to remember, 365 is one year. How many, it seems like a year goes by quicker than when you were 16? (laughs) It's not, but our perception of time is actually beginning to align with His. Just slightly. Just slightly. Slightly. Because with him, how does he perceive time? To him, a millennia, a thousand years, is like a day to us, or like a watch, like last night. The scripture says, a watch that passed in the night. A millennia to him, he perceives the passing of a thousand years the way we perceive last night. And his perception is right. Our perception of time is skewed. This is all we've ever known. But once we get out of here, now you know, some have built a whole doctrine off of a half a verse in Revelation that said time shall be no more. And it actually didn't say that. First of all, you shouldn't build doctrines on half a verses. There should be at least two or three. Is that right? Witnesses. And if you look that up in the original and even in many other translations, instead of saying time will be no more, it says there shall be no more delay. Now that's quite different from time being done away with. I know of no reason to believe that time's going to cease to exist. But perception of it is definitely going to change and is changing as we speak. I hear some wheels turning. Don't try to figure that out right now. You study about that later. Stay right here. If you find something that disproves that, uh, let me know. But I don't want your opinion now. I'm talking about scriptures. Scriptures. The Lord actually let me experience some of this. There's one reason I've been stirred up about it ever since. My, my father went home to be with the Lord several years ago, Billy Moore. And the way he, he died, uh, left his body on an airplane, I was flying in the air, mid-trip, mid-air. It bothered me. I, I sought the Lord about it. And a few weeks later, the Lord let me go see him. Now, I know some folks don't believe that, and, and that don't bother me at all if you don't believe that. I know what happened to me. 
I was there. <laughs> it, it's like coming to somebody in the pool doing the backstroke saying, ain't no water in that pool. Hey, they wet. <laughs> you can't tell a wet man, ain't no water in the pool. I'm not trying to convince anybody. Your faith should be based on the scriptures. But I know what I experienced. And I saw my dad. It was wonderful. I don't have words to describe it. I grabbed him. We hugged. You know, it's quite an amazing thing to see somebody you hadn't seen in a while that you just put their body in a casket a while back. It's quite an amazing thing. We hugged. We were ecstatic. <laughs> just, I don't know how to say it. We just, mm. and I'd never seen him look like he looked. His hair was jet black, and he looked so young and so vibrant. And what he wanted to know, he wanted to talk about the ministry. He wanted to talk about, and I wanted to tell him. I wanted to tell him everything that we were doing in the ministry and in the churches. But here's the thing that I didn't even notice it at the time. But when I returned, I still don't have the answer to it. I told him about things we had done in ministry that have not happened yet. I, I I don't even know how to describe it to you. I really, I, I don't have words. But it was perfectly natural while I was talking to him. And we're talking about things that were in the future as though they had already happened. And uh, when I returned, I, I thought on it. I'm still doing it. I thought, I thought on it for weeks, thinking, trying to try to get to perception. And I didn't. I couldn't remember then when I got back what it was I told him. I'd like to remember what it is we're going to do, <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't because it hasn't happened yet. Here, it hasn't happened yet. And don't try to build doctrines on that. This is an experience. I'm telling you what happened to me. But another thing that has been more real to me is how brief our time frame here is. And I'm convinced that the people that are with the Lord now, they're experiencing time as he does. And so if you're here another hundred years, that'd be a tenth of a day. Is that right? tenth of a day, which would be what? Two and a half hours. And if you live down here another hundred years, let's say you're 20 years old, and you make it all the way to 120, and then you leave here, and the Lord hadn't come back, and you show up, your folks are going to look at you and go, you're already here? Because they feel like they just got there a couple of hours ago. <laughs> you're already here? And I know because of our skewed perception, time can seem long. And if you've got loved ones that are already there and you miss them, you're thinking, I don't want to live here and mess with this for another 10 years, another 20. You've got to see it from God's perspective. Right. You can be strong and finish your course for another 10 minutes. Come on. Come on. Another 10 minutes. <laughs> you can do it. Just 10 more minutes. I'm talking about years. But from God's perspective, 
So if you lived, if we averaged it out and you made 90 years, 33,000 days. If you're like me and you're over 50 years old, half of that's gone. (laughs) And you got 16,000 days. Sleeping, eating, getting ready uses up 8,000 of those days. <laughs> Boy, howdy. But now that doesn't mean that's lost time. You can be praying in the Spirit while you're getting ready. You can be fellowshipping with God. You can be, is that right? You can be getting revelation. Is that right? <laughs> That leaves about 8,000 days. If you work a 9 to 5 job, <laughs> 2,500 of those days. Of course, that's not wasted time either. That's good time. And depending on how kingdom focused you are, what you do on your job can take on kingdom significance. Is that right? Not missing opportunities. And I'm not just talking about trying to preach to everybody, you see. Which is why he said, use wisdom with those that are without. That's why you need the light coming through the window. To know what to do, which is wisdom. How to do it, which is understanding. And to recognize the opportunity to do it. And then have the resources. To fulfill it. So many of us here. Probably have less than 5,000 days. Or 700 weeks. If you're over 50. And you don't make it much past 90. You have much less. Time. If you make it to 110. After getting ready and all that other stuff, you pick up another 3,500 days. <laughs> and 120, even more, all the better. Wonderful. Why am I saying all this? Teach us to number our days. A lot of folks in this room are looking at less than 500 weeks, less than 700, less than. 5,000 days. Are we using this time the best way it can be used? I believe the Lord would show us how to redeem. Oh, somebody say redeem. Redeem the time. We don't want to be afraid to die. Man, when you run your course, you finish your race. That's wonderful. There comes a time when you've been a good soldier. You've done what you need to do. You get to go. You get to go. I said you get to go. And you're glad about it. But you don't just want to be twiddling your thumbs, whiling away the hours, killing time. Wasting time until I die. This is precious. These days are precious. Somebody say precious. Precious. My days days. are precious. precious. So whether you got 
20,000 days left or 10,000 days left or 1,000 days left. We don't have days to waste. We don't have days to blow. Do we? Everybody said out loud again, Lord, thank you for giving me a time and a life in this earth. I'm asking you for the wisdom and the understanding to redeem and make the best use of my remaining days in your sight. I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I told you you might not enjoy that very much. But is it needed or not? See, people are living down here like they're going to live here forever. They just get up and go to work, come back and clean the bathroom, cut the grass and act like I'm going to do this forever and we're going to do it just, just a little bit, a few more days and we're out of here. Phyllis and I were talking about uh, this just recently. We were sitting on our back porch and, and we're not old. We're relatively young. We're, I'd say middle-aged. I mean, if you live to be 120, then you got 20 to 40, you could call that young. Is that right? 40 to 80, you could call that middle-aged. Is that right? Huh? Huh? Well, it's a third. It's a third. And then 80 to 100, past 80, you're starting to get old. 80 plus, you're starting to get up. What's the problem with that? You don't want to stay here forever anyway. You just want to finish your your job. But uh, we're just, the Lord's been really dealing with me about this. And and we're, we're just looking back over our life just a little bit. We've been in the ministry, what, about 35 years now. And uh, so thanking God that we started young. I said we were thanking God. We, young people, do not blow 20 years of this precious time trying to find yourself. The Lord already found you. He already found you. You don't have to figure out what you want to be. You need to find out what he's already ordained for you to be. Come on, please, please, please. Do not waste your precious youth and strength and time. And a lot of things we were glad we did when we were so young and, you know, energetic. <laughs> not that we're old now, but you know, you're not 16. And uh, realizing, you know, it's uh, th- these two churches, already, what, uh, 14 years has passed. And we've already been in the traveling ministry for 20 years. And... Uh, if the Lord tarries, is coming. And he sustains us. In another 20 years, it's going to come and go so quick. How many of 20 years is going to come and go so quick? We will be that age. And we'll be starting to get old. 
And you don't want to look up and go, I should have started that earlier. We, we should have got on that. We should have given full resource to that. Come on, you understand what I'm talking about? Every day, hundreds of thousands of people, actually about 155,000, realize I'm not going to be on planet Earth anymore. They realize I'm breathing my last. And I'm sh- most of them were thinking, I was going to do this, and, and I, I wanted to do this, and, and we were planning on doing this, but it's, it's it. It's, you're out of here. So if you're going to do it, get to it. All right. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Help him out and say, if you're going to do it, get to it. Get to it. Get to it. These days are so precious, so important. And every day to the child of God who's aware is full of opportunities. God-given windows where you have an opportunity, an occasion to do something good in him. One of the things we were talking about was when we had the privilege of helping Brother Kenneth Hagin and Miss Aretha Hagin, which we helped them for a number of years. We were with their ministry for 20 years and uh, got to help them a lot. And uh, one thing progressed to the next, progressed to the next. And, and toward the, the last several years, we traveled with them. We also had our own ministry. And so at times it was a bit taxing. And uh, you, you just had to make a decision what came first. And what that meant was putting yours on hold. And we we're believing for the money to go and, and be there and, and pay hotel bills and that kind of thing. And, uh, and of course while you're there you're not in ministry and you're not receiving offerings for the meetings you're not doing and and so we're using our faith, which is just good for you. And uh, we actually were in a meeting up at Brother Philip Godot's in Sacramento, right? California. And uh, him and his lovely wife came out, and Phyllis and I were tagging along behind Mom and Dad Hagen. And we had just come in from a place, and we were believing God for everything we knew to, for money. And we packed our little bags as quick as we could and just kind of shoved everything to the side and, and jumped on with them and ran out there. And we were feeling a little bit afraid. Not afraid. <laughs> Frazzled. Maybe it's a good Arkansas word. And uh, Brother Philip Godot, he said, man, you guys are so blessed to get to do this. And my first thought was, I don't really feel like it right now. (laughs) I didn't say that. But without even consciously doing it, I was, and maybe Phyllis wasn't, I don't know if you were, we we talked about it that much or not, but we were feeling like we were helping them. We were doing for them. And what he was saying You are so privileged to have this opportunity 
to get to do this. And, and some, way, some way or another, when he said it, it kind of caught me off guard. Because yeah. I didn't realize I had slipped over a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't have to share all this with you. I guess if the Lord tells me I do. But uh, do you know what I'm talking about? All of us got flesh. Is that right? And especially if and when you get tired. You got to watch getting tired. Because when you get tired, you can get more inclined to yield to the flesh. And uh, so as we left from their office... That was ringing in my ears and I realized something rubbed my spirit a little bit and I thought, hold on here, hold on here. Lord, help me with this. What, what's going on? And I mean, he began to talk to me. I don't mean an audible voice, but inside, did I realize how many billions of people are on the planet? That's right. Did I realize how many people had been blessed by this ministry? How many people would just love dearly love to be able to have a meal with them or be around them in any shape, form, or fashion? And did I realize he's giving us opportunity to sow for our future and for eternity in some of the best ground on the planet in the kingdom? And, and it began to wash over me. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really see it that well right then. I was still too much in the flesh. But I, I accepted it by faith. And I said, yes, sir, I know that's right. Yes, sir, I know that's right. But we didn't begin to see it until as much as 10, 15, 20 years later. When we came to start a church here in Branson. I mean, it was, it was like sow a seed, add water, boom, instant church. <laughs> Is that right? You might have had to jump out of the way, boom. Right? Sarasota Church. Global word supply. Come on, are you listening? Thing after thing after thing after thing. And the Lord began to help me to realize I was setting you up. I was setting you up by giving you the precious opportunity to sow into them, into that at that time. We need to keep this in front of us. Is that right? 24-7. Because the devil is a despiser. And he's always trying to diminish, to devalue. Ah, this is no big deal. They ought to appreciate what you're doing. The truth is, you're not irreplaceable. (laughs) I got talent. Other people got talent too. I got money. Other people got more money. Do not imagine that things are just going to fall apart if you're not there. The Lord's plan is going to be done. People talk about the sovereignty of God, but they get it convoluted. 
One thing the Lord helped me to see, I, I didn't see it at all till he showed me about four or five years ago. Something had come up that he had directed us to do, and then some people responded incorrectly, and the Lord dealt with me, leave it alone and do this. A different thing. And that bothered me, because I thought, now Lord, you don't change. Did I miss it first time I thought I heard you? I mean, you don't change. You've got to watch about taking one verse and ignoring all the rest of them. How do you rightly divide the scriptures with other scriptures? You need more than one number to divide. And you need more than one scripture to rightly divide the scriptures. And you know what he brought to me? He brought to me when Israel had forsaken his Ten Commandments that he had given them out of the fire, and less than a month and a half later, built them a gold calf. Oh, the Lord was angry about that. He was really upset about that. And he told Moses, stand back, get out of the way, I will consume them in a moment, and I will make of you a greater nation. What's he saying? Did he pick this people or not? Yes, he did. What's he saying? I will do it another way. I will do it with somebody else. And that's the thing I hadn't seen. And I began to realize this thing's not written in stone. All this is not set in cement. Now what he has planned, it's going to get done. But whether you're involved in it or not is up to you. Even if you're His choice and his call, he's not going to make you do it. And we have a window of time. I remember Brother Happy Caldwell talking about some things the Lord told him to do in TV. And he he thought it was strange the Lord dealt with him to do it. And finally one day he realized, he asked the Lord, Lord, am I the first one you ever asked to do this? Was the Lord telling him, no, you're number seven or something? You're number seven. Yeah, but doesn't it make you feel good to know? You God's go-to guy. Is that right? If other folks won't do it, if other folks going to drag around too long, mess around, and he needs it done, and he needs somebody to just say, sir, yes, sir, do it right now, he touches you. And you'll get their reward. Now, I know a lot of folks don't like that. They don't believe that. But are we quoting scriptures or not? Didn't he tell him, I'll make of you a greater nation? What's he saying? I'll do this thing a different way with different people. He is not locked in. He can do things more than one way. I don't intend to miss my doors of opportunity. How about you? I'm alive in this time. There's a reason. I have come to the kingdom. For such a time as this. There's a reason I wasn't born 400 years ago. Come on, are you listening? Or 50 years from now. I am here. This is my time. The time God has ordained to use me. And to use you. We got our window. Of opportunity. And it is passing. As we speak. It's passing like white lines on the highway. 
seconds are passing, minutes are passing. It's coming by just like this. And if we won't mess around, we'll have plenty of time to do what we need to do. Oh, but if you start ignoring and won't listen and won't do, that's when you start missing the plan of God to him that knows what to do and doesn't do it. To him it is sin. Hallelujah. I know some of this is a little bit sobering, but it's reality. And it doesn't have to be a sad thing. It's only sad if you're wasting it. And you have no intention of doing anything else. Well, that is sad. But if you're willing, if you're willing to lift up a heart and a hand and say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to make myself available to you. Come on, go ahead and pray another prayer right now. Say, Father, show me what's important and what's not important. Show me what's your plan and what's not your plan. Reveal to me every weight, every sin that would hinder me, slow me down, hold me up, hold me back, and show me how, and I thank you for showing me how, to redeem my remaining time. Amen in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, just lift your hands and praise Him just a little bit. Glory to God. Lord, we thank You. We praise You. We give You thanks. We give You glory. We give You honor. We give You honor. We give You honor. We give You honor. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes, we're very familiar with. Third chapter says to everything, there is a season, don't miss that word, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now a lot of people take that word time, and like when it says there's a time to die, they'll try to make that 345 on a Thursday afternoon. There's a time when the clock clicks and your time is up and that's it. That's not what he's talking about. Don't skip the word season. Job talks about you shall come to your grave in a full age like as a shock of corn comes in his season. Well, there's a season when it's right to harvest the corn. And that's not necessarily two o'clock on a Tuesday. It's a window, right? It's a window of time. There's a season. God had a season, a window of opportunity and time. He wanted you to come into this planet. And then there's a season and a window for certain things he wants you to do. It is not unlimited. Many things are literally once in a lifetime opportunities. And when the time comes by, then... uh, That's no longer an opportunity for you. Some things take time. Which is why the enemy tried to get you just to waste 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. Because if he can't keep you from doing it. By getting you to procrastinate and wait. He knows on the other end of this. You'll run out of time. Before you get to the full potential. Unless. 
by the mercy of God, the Lord multiplies your time. Now this is something we I'm believing for tonight and this week to learn about God multiplying my time. Come on, are you with me? That's about 50 people. Come on, are you? Do you want to know? Those that hunger and thirst after this will get it. I'm believing the Lord because this is precious. This is precious. There are numerous things God is doing and can do and will do if we'll get connected with him enough that we'll multiply our time and take the fullest advantage of our opportunities. What I, Phyllis and I were talking about, I mentioned on our porch there was, you know, we're not old, but we're not teenagers either. And 20 years is going to come, if the Lord tarries is coming, and we're sustained, it's going to come and go so quick. So, Lord, we're, we prayed, Lord, show us the best use of our time in these next years. Because there's a whole lot of needful things, whole lot of good things, but it's not necessarily the best use of your time or your energies or your effort. We do not have unlimited energies. Every day when you get up, from the time you wake up, you open your eyes and you climb out of bed, you are burning fuel. The gauge is moving. Is that right? <laughs> Anybody ever felt like it was hovering around the E by the time you got home that night? <laughs> and thank God, He renews our strength, doesn't He? And we can be quickened, and even supernaturally. You know, I used to see uh, Brother Hagen do this. We'd travel with him, like I said. And when he's, at this point, he's 80 years old, and... Uh, you know, he didn't have a, a strenuous fitness routine either. And we'd be gone for two or three weeks, and he'd preach twice a day, and push the travel and all that, and we'd come back, and literally he's dragging. He's sliding his feet, and you can tell, well, well when we were flying back one night on their plane, thank God for that plane God gave him. It, it, it made it so much easier. And he's flying back from a meeting, and it's midnight, and his feet are kicked up in the seat up in front of him, and he's eating pepperoni pizza. <laughs> and I said, Dad, there's probably not a whole bunch of 80-year-olds that are ripping through the night sky at 500 miles an hour, eating pepperoni pizza at midnight. <laughs> he laughed. He said, ha! He said, yeah. The doctor said most people my age was dead. <laughs> But I would see, and Phyllis saw this, we saw this every time, a lot of times he had meetings scheduled close to it. So we'd be home, repack, we're out again. And here he is, twice a day. And I'd see him shuffle up to the podium. <laughs> and he's not moving real quick. And he'd take a text, and I'd see the anointing come on him. Oh, glory to God. And I'd see his body quicken and his mind quicken. And for the service over, he's kicking and shouting and carrying up. Your youth can be renewed. Hallelujah. Like the eagle's strength. We have resources available to us that the unbeliever knows nothing about. 
<laughs> the only way we can redeem our days is with the wisdom of God. We must have His wisdom. And His wisdom lets us know what to do. His understanding lets us know how to do it. But uh, in order to get that, we'll have to discipline ourselves to be led by the spirit of wisdom. And in order to do that, when you hear I use the word discipline, you have to discipline yourself and you got to have some strength about you not to let other things lead you and other people lead you. What Phyllis and I were praying about, Lord, there's a lot of good invitations, a lot of good churches, a lot of good meetings, a lot of good conferences, a lot of good places. But we're just, you know, you're, you're one person with your days and your life and your energies. What am I supposed to do? What does he say? I need to hear from him. Because it's possible to waste your resources in doing ministry. Now, the Lord's merciful. There's been a few times, thank God, not many, not many, by the grace of God, but a few times. Remember one time in specific, I was flying back from a place, and I was on a commercial airliner by myself. I was looking out the window. And I said to the Lord, it just came up out of my spirit. I said, Lord, I don't feel like this was a good use of my time, what I had just done. And he began to talk to me about it. Now, you know, from several standpoints, it would have been a good service, good meeting, good this and that. But just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's the best thing. Come on, can you see this? And the Lord would reveal to us what is that good and that perfect, hallelujah, acceptable and perfect will of God. And he said this to me. Boy, I've hung on to this, and he's done it. This would have been almost 30 years ago. I was in the floor in my little office there in Ramah praying. And just by the revelation of the Lord, I, I prayed out. Nobody else was in there but me and him, the Lord. And, and I said, Lord, show me and add to me the things that will cause me to develop the quickest and yet the most solidly. And I prayed in the tongues about it and, and began to ask him for some things. I didn't even know what I was asking for. And he spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside he said, Keith, the more important your time becomes to me, the more I will help you to redeem it. I will add to you help, resources, equipment, Opportunities that will multiply the ministry. And immediately after that, he led us into computers. And then shortly after that, he led us into aviation. And now, right now tonight, by the internet, the ministry is being multiplied many times. 
and by the broadcast. Hallelujah. That is a perfect example of redeeming the time and multiplying days in ministry. How many days would it take to go preach to all those people? You'd never accomplish it in multiple lifetimes. But it's happening. It's happening. Hallelujah. God has ways and means of multiplying ministry so that it's many lifetimes worth of ministry in the same time frame as one lifetime. Hallelujah. Just the few steps that we've taken. We can pastor more than one church because of the days and the wear and tear saved by having your own ability to travel. We can, we're reaching with the materials and the downloads. Aren't we thankful for the technology God has given us in our generation? It's been used for a lot of bad stuff, but that's not what God gave it for. He gave it for this. Hallelujah. So what we were praying about, and I believe it's for every one of us. Lord, we're asking for your wisdom, which you just did. For us to see not just what's a good use of our time. What's the highest and best use of our efforts and energies. Because if you number your days intelligently you realize I don't have many left. And then I'm at, that's not a sad thing. That's just reality. Right? I don't have many of these left. I need to use them wisely. I need to use them well. Hallelujah. That could mean some radical changes in your schedule. Are you willing? Are you ready? That could mean rearranging your whole life, cutting some things way back, cutting some other things out. It could mean some other folks not understanding. I've had preacher friends of mine. And acquaintances just get upset with me. Upset. I think some of them's been a little bit miffed at me for a few years now. I'm, I'm serious. I didn't come to their conference. I didn't accept their invitation to be their speaker or, or their meeting or this or that. And I've had some say to me before. I thought we were friends. What's that got to do with it? I'm serious. I thought we were friends. You used to come. You came. Did you get mad? No, I'm happy. Did you get upset? No, I'm I'm great. (laughs) Offering wasn't big enough. Offering was wonderful. Nothing to do with any of that. Well, why would you come? I don't need a reason not to come. I need direction to come. Because I don't have many days left. I don't need a reason not to come. If I'm doing everything that everybody asks me to do, I'm not being led by the Spirit of God. And the same thing is true in your local church. We'd never pastored before. And two weeks into the beginning of this church, I'm on my knees telling the Lord, I know I don't know how to pastor. I'm asking for help. Help. And uh, I never intended to be a pastor. Never thought I was. 
And uh, one of the first things he dealt with me about, he said, uh, this is what he said to me. He said, if you're always giving in to people, doing what they want, who's leading this? I said, well, it wouldn't be me. He said, if I wanted them to lead it, I could have put them in the leadership. He said, and you're going to give account to me. Whether you led it according to what I told you to do or whether you let them lead you. So man, it was fresh burning in my ears and my mind. And we had some people that we had just met, we didn't know them at all, that were graciously going to help us with our music. And they had asked us, they said, can we do this? And, and I said, no. Can we do this? And I said, no, sorry, no. Well, surely you'll let us do this. And, and I said, nope, sorry, no. And they said, well, we're leaving. I said, okay, sorry. And they left. And now we had nobody except me to do music. And uh, they might not have understood it, but the Lord had just got through talking to me about this. And you, you run into this all the time. I had a pastor friend of mine came in from overseas. He had a large church overseas. And he said, can we please just pray something together? I'm, I'm not doing so hot. And I could tell he was, he was out of gas. And we got down and got to praying, and the Lord began dealing with me about that. And I talked to him. I said, uh, I said, here's what I believe we need to do. I said, go over everything you're doing in your church and ministry and ask yourself, when did the Lord tell me to do that? When and where did he tell me to do that? He shook his head. He said, I know that's a problem, Keith. I know it. I'm doing all kind of stuff because people wanted me to. It's a good thing. It's a needful thing. It'd be good for the community. It'd be good for this group. It'd be good for that group. And now he's got all these things and he's trying to keep all these plates spinning and he's not, his resources are used up and he's not ready to do what he's supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be involved in everything. We can't be. There are specific things we are God ordained and graced to be a part of. And the Lord told me this about time one time. I, he, he dealt with me to do something. And I felt like, Lord, I don't know if I, how, how can I do that if I have time? And this is what he said to me. He said, Keith, if you don't have plenty of time to do what I'm directing you to do, you are wasting time. You are wasting time. And what you find out is you're doing stuff you think you have to do. You don't even need to be doing at all. And that's how the enemy subtly convinces you to throw away whole days and weeks and months and then be frustrated. Why isn't it working? Why I'm so tired all the time? And why this? Because if you hadn't got grace to do it, it's just a continuous bother and a drain to you. And it's nobody's fault but you for doing it without checking with him. And we've all missed it. Nobody's throwing any stones here. But do we have time to blow and to waste? Do we need to get more accurate? Get on the ILS. Is that right? And begin to get precise with this thing and, and get it locked right down. To being where we're supposed to be. When we're supposed to be there. Is that right? And what happens too is you keep the door shut. When you're doing stuff you're not, you shouldn't even be at that meeting, the enemy has opportunity to cause you problems because there's a certain measure of disobedience that you're in. 
whether it's ignorance or not. Friends, we need to have a prayer life. I said we need to pray. We we do not need to assume just because we've did something a hundred times before we're going to do it again. We need to ask and not assume. We need to inquire and not presume. Is that right? I was looking at my calendar one time praying about ministry and and dates. And and I I went on into 20. This was back several years ago. I went into 2010 and went into 2020. and, And you know how these things, they'll just keep going in 20, 30, and 40, 50, and 60, and 70, and 80. And I realized, huh. I won't be here. <laughs> I don't reckon I'll be here by then. So it makes this little strip out right here pretty important. Doesn't it? I've had people in ministry and in church situations go, well, why, why won't you let us do this? And I've said, uh, I don't do what I want to do. Why won't I do what you want me to do? <laughs> If Jesus is our Lord, and I'm not claiming that I've always heard from him and done it perfectly. I don't mean that. But if he is our Lord, we must not be led by needs, by opportunities, natural opportunities that people come up with, by good things, public relation things. The list goes on and on. Come on, sit out loud with me. I don't need a reason. Not to do something. I need a leading. To do it. Praise God. Stand on your feet everybody. Thank you Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.